Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Messy Trips Podcast. This is Mar, one of your three lovely co-hosts here on the show. Over to you, middle child. Middle child, yes, yes. We are lovely, aren't we? Lovely and spicy. <laughs> we are indeed. Mila, I had these um, hot chili flame Cheetos shit. It burnt my mouth, but it was good. I went back for another try. So yes, 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 this is Nisha from Kanakahage, live and heading down south to our southern daughter, southern sister. From New York City, this is Azara, and not only are we spicy ladies, but we're also very messy, so hopefully this show is going to be pretty messy. I know I have some messy questions for our special guest. So Nisha, why don't you go ahead and introduce our special guest today? So now we're going to a whole new country. Uh, We're going to back to Europe where I was recording with COVID, which was fantastic. And I want to introduce uh, introduce our somatic sex relationship coach, Kiara, using the pronoun she and her. So Kiara, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hi everybody. This is Kiara and uh, I'm a sex intimacy coach. And uh, I'm here from Italy. And uh, yes, what else I can add? I don't know if I can say more or we just go to the questions. <laughs> That's good enough. We'll get it all out throughout the show. So it's all good. Um, but you said you're based in Italy. So how did you end up? Are you from Italy originally or? I'm from Italy. I'm from Italy. But like, yeah, I work uh, in the Netherlands. I'm based in the Netherlands. So I'm just visiting my family, actually. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I'm flying back to Amsterdam. Okay, wonderful. So we are talking all things somatic sex today. So why don't we kick things off by you telling us a little bit about what somatic sex is. Uh, you got into the role as an educator in this field. Tell us, tell us more about it, like as if we know nothing. <laughs> we know nothing. <laughs> Well, 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 well. Um, yeah, I will say that, uh, I mean, I think, first of all, let's start with, uh, I think, what somatics actually is. So somatics comes from the word soma, that in Greek means of the body. So is there anything that is related to how to understand how our body works? So, and when it comes to, uh, you know, somatic sexuality, is uh, any practices that, let's say, aims at healing the gap between uh, the body-mind gap. And so, when it comes to somatic sexuality, you know, you have practices like breath work or movement or touch or any embodied practices like uh, embodied consent and boundaries and pleasures because the body is seen as a source of wisdom and pleasure and freedom. And so a somatic coach aims at supporting clients to connect the erotic body sensations and emotion with the erotic mind. And of course, you know, the talkative part is also like used because we need to guide the clients to actually get to know their own bodies, to know their body's cues. 
and also understanding kind of how to use the mind to actually process all the information that the that the body kind of brings up. And uh, for my own journey, I have to say <laughs> that uh, well, um, my back. Well, I'm Italian, so my background uh, is a very. Uh, I came from this small community in Italy where you know sex is still a taboo, mm-hmm. and so you know I grew up with very shame-induced messages, not coming mostly from my family, but just from my community. You know, the even community thought, in general. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, uh, but you know, coming from TV, but also how people were gossiping about other people or other people's body, or even about the women's behavior around, you know, while dating certain people or doing certain things or labeling people like a slut just because they were just very much in connection with their own body mm-hmm. or very much in connection actually with their own sensuality. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I've been victim of any, well, I mean, I've experienced sexual trauma in my own, uh, uh, in, yeah, in my, in my life. So for me, I had this very, uh, weird relationship with anything around sex and sexuality. I was kind of, uh, uh attracted to it, but very scared. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was always attracted to these, uh, you know, friends that they were having this very, that they were experiencing sex and sexuality with this uh, freedom or I don't know. For me, they were just kind of sex war, pleasure warrior. And me, I, I was feeling I was so afraid to just saying what I wanted. Uh, and of course, the trauma was a big experience of that and this, uh, you know, shame is actually the first enemy to experience pleasure, even self-pleasure. And so it, it came a moment where, you know, everything was just too much. And I went on therapy, myself, on somatic therapy myself. And uh, I started, studied uh, everything about somatic sexuality and somatic practices um, and so, because I wanted to heal myself, I wanted to experience something different. And that by healing my own wounds, I understood, uh, you know, that I wanted to kind of bring the same messages to other people, mostly vulva owners, I say, but everybody who has difficulties to actually embrace their own sensual sexual body. And also befriend sex uh, and sexuality as actually a venue for, you know, self, you know um, uh, yeah, self-expression and serenity. I see sex as this magic, uh, mystic uh, place, actually. Because, you know, sex for me is linked to sensuality. And sensuality is linked to pleasure. And pleasure is linked to feeling. And when you know how you feel, then you can name it what you feel. And you can, you know, go for it and say what you need Mm -hmm. because you're feeling a certain way. You can say no because you feel angry. You can say yes because you feel excited. But it's also linked to desire. And when you know what you desire, you know your own wanting. So when you know what you want, you go for it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a place of freedom. 
Uh, and so this is how it started. Uh, <laughs> um, and so when you're counseling people in this area, um, you talked a little bit about how there's a lot of psychological barriers that can come between a person actually being able to enjoy sex. Um, there could be issues with trauma. There could be issues with, like you mentioned, um, being in a conservative society where talking openly or expressing yourself openly about sex is not really encouraged. So can you talk a little bit about how, how much the psychological element of sex is connected to the physical element? Because that seems to be the key link between the two of them yeah i mean the things is that it has been like proven how you know shame so the uh shame is one of the first factors uh, that can impede you know to explore to befriend sex and to explore your own body to explore you know sexuality but uh, you know uh they you maybe you have read uh, but a lot of people says uh, that uh, actually our brain is our the biggest sex organs. Mm -hmm. So if you have a certain ideas around sex, if uh, you have been having or growing up about with some messages around how you need to dress and what sex should be like, and uh, you, there is all, only one way to exploring orgasm, and uh, if you don't get that way, then if there is something wrong with you, um, and you need to do this. There are so many messages or ideas around sex and sexuality, and these ideas are, are causing so much stress on how people are actually experiencing their pleasure they're experiencing their own body they're experiencing sex with their partner and just with themselves because they think they yeah. it's like yeah. it, sorry i was gonna say it's like you have to reprogram yourself and and thinking a little more fluidly yeah. and you know about that you know like right? most of the people that come to me they say am i wrong am i there is there is something is there something wrong with me because i don't orgasm with uh, for example uh, in a um male uh, female par partnership i don't orgasm with penetration and everybody says that this is the best orgasm or uh, am i broken if i for example i have this kind of fantasies am i a pervert there are so many ideas or for example i don't desire that much my partner like uh, you know my partner is always the one who start and i'm always the one that are that responds mm -hmm. does this mean something there is something wrong with me. And this is because, uh, first, there is so much um, stress around the idea of that, uh, you know, you need to have sex all the time. And sex is this way instead of this way. Uh, like if there is one size that fits all. But this is the first things that needs to be debunked. There is not one size fits all in sex. As, you know, it's very difficult that there is one size fits all in this life. Mm -hmm. Um, and because we are all different and we are all unique. Um, and so, of course, the uh, psychological part influenced this. And actually, there is this uh, uh, very magnificent bu book that is called uh, Come As You Are. Uh, and in this book, is this is uh, described this uh, dual control, where basically our arousal 
is measured according to how we uh, it's called uh, you know accelerators and brakes. So if you are turned on, basically you're hitting on your accelerator. So whatever is helping you to feel aroused. So and this can be a particular touch, or maybe because you're feeling fantastic in your body, or it's because the you're smelling a flavor that is very good. And if you're turned off, it's because you're you know putting on your brakes. And brakes is anything that can be. You know, you're super stressed uh, or you are in a day that you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, uh-uh, today I feel horrible. And the, the idea of being touched by someone is out of your mind or because your hormones are just not balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are all these kind of uh, situations. And, you know, when you realize that this is actually your erotic mind kind of works and is affecting your erotic body, you kind of start thinking, okay, then, you know, there is nothing wrong with me. It's just kind of biochemical things happening in my body. Um, and this distress, um, if it kind of makes sense. Right, for sure. There's a lot of pressure, I think, societal-wise around sex and, like you said, how frequently we have sex and how we have sex and whether we orgasm the second that we have sex. And um, there were some interesting questions that you brought up, and I was curious to know, you said that it your work revolves mostly around people who, who have a vulva, right? But I was wondering mm-hmm. if you also deal with people who identify as men or who have penises and do they struggle the same way with this subject yeah 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 i mean yeah yeah i wanted to say i mean my i think i i into my practice i welcome every human things uh, i have to say that uh, because of my own experiences, uh, kind of, I attract a lot of vulva owners, I want to say, mm-hmm. but I'm also open to, you know, a penis owner. And yes, I do have uh, men in my practice. And with men, is a different thing because, of course, they have been victim, <laughs> I say the word victim, of the same sort of uh, social um, messages that vulva owners have had, but it's just societal different. pressures and so yeah, forth. they need yeah. to know it all. And men, they they just want sex. Um, you know, they they're always turned on, uh, and this kind of messages. And then you know they know how to do it because men, of course, they only love sex. <laughs> And actually, what is fantastic, you know, when it's very interesting because when I started this and I was saying to even friends, uh, I say, look, I'm a yeah, somatic sex coach. Like all my female friends, they were saying, oh, my God, this is oh, or even people. Oh, my God, this is so cool. Oh, this is fantastic. Like oh, I have so many questions. When I was saying this to to my male friends or even people, you know, men. There were two reactions, either silence <laughs> or the other reaction was, oh, I don't need this. My sexual life is perfect. I don't need, I don't have any problem. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, for me was like kind of because, you know, for me, like um, when, when I say something and the immediate reaction is that you need to protect yourself, this for me shows how, you know, uh, 
difficult is for you that situation <laughs> you know how uh, how stressful that you immediately need to say perfect no problem there <laughs> <laughs> i never spread my sexual life is fantastic i say okay okay and actually what i've experienced is that you know they have issues you know with in my practice to say uh, when when sex goes wrong, when you know they don't uh, feel like when they might feel rejected uh, in bed, mm. uh, that is just difficult for them to admit it, mm-hmm. because of course this affects their idea of being, uh, you know, uh, uh, desired, and especially if you know is people that have anxious attachment. Uh, this can be, of course, this is not one. I'm not speaking for all men. Eh? This is uh, what I've been experiencing. And in terms of, you know, you you we mentioned men and we mentioned women. Do you work with couples when it comes to somatic sex coaching? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so with um, with couples, it always is always like. Uh, uh, one of my own experience has always been one of the two, um, either the man or either the woman who contacted me uh, to ask for, you know, support. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, in this way, I'm always kind to understand if, uh, you know, first to speak with individually to see where they are uh, and then with, uh, with the couple together. But it's always interesting to understand because, uh, you know, some, to understand if actually the other partner is okay to, to join. You know, sometimes you receive an email from someone, uh, either, you know, the, you know, one of the two uh, one, partners, yeah, people, yeah. partners, mm-hmm. and then you just wanted to make sure that there is actually, that they both agree to <laughs> right, shock. Right, Because... <laughs> Because most of the time, you know, there is the willingness of one partner to go yeah. to, you know, to, to, to go to therapy to heal. And then the other person doesn't want or is not ready. So you need to check the readiness also, mm-hmm. you know, um, because otherwise, you know, if you don't want to show up, it's very difficult to, you know, to have also some kind of, um, yeah, results mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. So when you're counseling, uh, whether it's an individual or a couple, what does a typical coaching session actually look like? Like, how do you start off and what, what really is the end result that you're hoping for with the client? Uh, well, I mean, this is, I mean, I think you heard it for sure many times, but you know, Again, there is not one size fits all, and uh, you know it always depends. But uh, for me, uh, the um, uh, of course also depends on what is the issues, mm-hmm. and uh, you know if um, if there is a previous story, uh, if if there is a, I need to always check the awareness of the person of you know to if they know. Uh, how to get in contact with their body if they are able to name what their feelings, you know, because if, uh, you know, in that sense, then there is also the kind of um, work on embodiment. So how to get to know your body, mm-hmm. uh, because you kind of need to understand your body clues, 
to first, you know, moving into emotional empowerment and erotic empowerment. Um, you need to know your body also to understand where your pleasure points are, for example. Uh, you need to know your body if, for example, in a power in a partner dynamic, you are very disappointed when your partner does this or say that. Uh, and a lot of the work is also on how to teach uh, clients to vulnerably communicate to their partner how they are feeling. Mm. Um, because resentment is actually one of the biggest enemy in, that kills intimacy, you know. Uh, so I would say, you know, first of all, I always like to hear if they have clear in mind what goals they have. You know, they want to heal something, they want to explore their desires, they want to, uh, you know, be uh, better partners, for example. And then from there, I, I always want to check what, what, what is their level of awareness body-wise. Mm. Because mind-wise, I want to say, like, we are always very good in you know, being in our stories and explaining why and that and say da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So also, you know, to guide the clients towards a body experience. And then from there, creating, you know, uh, uh, erotic empowerment. When I say erotic empowerment means, oh, I know this is what is turning me on. This is what doesn't turn me on. This is how this is how my body works. These are the fantasy I have that I need to have or I like to have to that turn me on. And this is where you know how my body, uh, the the map of the pleasure mapping of my body works like this. This is how I can communicate. Is a lot of work on boundaries and consent, but again, it depends on the. Um, where the client is in terms of this knowledge of their own body. And so, you know, according to that, things, of course, change. And, of course, the emotional empowerment is also a key, a key, a key thinking. And we, because, you know, you need to be vulnerable enough with your own self to understand, you know, why, for example, there might be certain part of your body that feel like frozen uh, where it's difficult to go, um, and you want to go vulner be vulnerable with your own self. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, embodiment is kind of the first step. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm having visions or images of uh, that one episode of Goop that I watched where they go into you know the vulnerable vulnerable sessions with I guess it was multiple couples. Um, where they're exploring touch and uh, using objects external to the body to move along the skin and experience sensation. Would are you would like what you're doing? What you do with couples? Would it be or individuals? Would it be something along those lines? Yeah, and uh, you know, from the yeah, yeah. Touch is part of that. Of course, you know, there are certain boundaries, you know. Uh, right. It's not that our practice is with clothes on and we don't touch certain part. Uh, but it's, um, it's to understand. When, when you say, when, when I say uh, understanding and knowing your bodies and knowing uh, what is pleasurable for you, this is the key things mm -hmm. in sexuality. Because... 
to actually be good and enjoy sex, you need to know what you like. Mm-hmm. And to understand what you like, you need to experience it. Otherwise, how do you know that? And so uh, for some people, it's so difficult to allow themselves to explore their own body. Like, for example, with masturbation, sometimes we want to go strictly to the point. Uh, but we don't give ourselves the time to actually, you know, touch our body with a feather touch or light touch and see, oh, actually this part of my body really is a turn on for me. Actually, my nipple is more a turn on for me than, I don't know, my uh, cleat, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, so you need to take kind of notes. So in the session, like uh, we might kind of uh, help. Uh, understand the client to just to understand okay which uh, kind of body is good for you is just by you know touching like this or you need to be wrapped um, so it's kind of a journey uh, and then mm, the 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 coaching I've uh, been I mean the school I've I've done is also is a kind of approach for which you know. There is this uh, relationship with the client. So the coach is not, you know, you're here and I'm there. And the, we are just, is an experiential practice. So that then the client can really understand what happened to him. And also going back home and ask, you know, the partner, if they have a partner or whatever partner they have, to, you know, to... To, to teach them what they want, how they want to be touched, because they have experiences safely in the studio, in the practice, what they like. Or, or they have been able to experiencing the same things at home because they have had an experiential experience, like a practical experience mm-hmm. of what was good for them. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, you say something and you say, oh, I want to do that. But sometimes you actually don't know how to do that, you know, you know, you know, you want A, but then how do you do A, you know, and if there is someone who shows you what, how A can be, you have certain tools that then you can practice at home, uh, because you have visual tool, your experiential tool, you have touching tools, and you are kind of more, yeah, you, you, you build new skills, let's say. And it's crazy because they just want to keep sex in a box, right? Like, I, mean, I it, it, we've talked yeah. about this many times on the show. I mean, could you imagine having Kiara and King Noir and all of us? Wow, what a show that could be! Because, <laughs> like, no, because on that show, like, it, it really opened up my mind to how my relationships with males are very different from most people. I like guy friends, and that you get different things from your friends. But, you know, when I'm listening to you talk, I think. Yo, what the fuck? Why are people keeping sex from us? Good sex, not just penetration, but the touch. You yeah. know, we're not like. But the things. This is actually the the problem with sex. When I was, we were talking about psychology. Is that, um, you know, I think we all grew up with a very. I grew up with an existing sexual education. Maybe in Canada things are better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is that you learn sex from your peers. And when you learn sex from your peers, you learn to like what your peers like. Mm. But then your peers like what they also listen from the other peers. So there is this myth then of sex to be just one way. Yeah. 
one conventional way and all the other, all the rest is, uh, you know, I'm always saying that, that we are all a bit kinky because, you know, kinky is uh, the non-conventional sex. But if you think the conventional sex is, according to our society, is the monogamous sex, penetrative sex. But then, so in my own way, also oral sex is not the conventional sex. So I'm kinky too, mm-hmm. you know, right. to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, um, like breaking so, those binary definitions, right? Like Exactly. <clears throat> Yeah. And so I, I've shared on the show that I do pelvic exercises. Do you remember, like, I do pelvic, and I realized through the pelvic, what it, what's the word that we called Kegels. it? Kegels. Kegels, yeah. So I had to start doing Kegels. I was annoyed. But Kegels really help, like, sort out a lot in your body and in your pelvis and how much you need. And, you know, I actually got my husband doing them with me now. So we both kegeling it out because, <laughs> no, because I said to him, no, 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 if I have to do this, you have to do this too, right? But I think you mentioned something, Kara, what's important. People don't feel safe to explore because we presented yeah. sex in a particular way. Boy meets girl, girl meets boy. You know, he touches her boobs a bit and then, you know, he goes, she might give him oral sex, but oh, God forbid he would give her oral sex, right? And then they just, they have sex and she looks like she's having an orgasm when we know it's friggin' hard for women to orgasm and there's different types of orgasms. And, you know, so out of the three of us, Kara, my mom is the open sex one. My mom is the one who took me to cook for condoms. She taught us about birth control. She had a thing with walking around naked in our house. We were like, my brothers and I were like, what the hell is going on here? But she really opened it up for us a lot more than most people. I know Oz and Mar were saying, no, 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 no. There's still kids who believe if you hold hands, you get pregnant. I'm looking at school like, are you, I tell them all the time, are you serious? No, you're not getting pregnant. You're not kissing and getting HIV. HIV and AIDS are My different, God. right? And so, and yeah. like, this is the kind of myths that are still out there. And in some ways, we see it manifest itself in the law, like Road versus Wade, still controlling over women's bodies and how we, what we should do with our bodies and what women should and should not do and mm-hmm. what's a whore and what's not a whore. Like, all this plays into this shit. And we don't, and it's actually like one of the shittiest things. We end up living our life, having mediocre sex lives and then dying. Like that fucking sucks. Exactly. That sucks. Exactly. Like, but also because, you know, there, there, there is also these, uh, we don't feel safe to ask right. about sex. We don't feel safe to talk. You know, I have uh, close friends and, uh, you know, I see when I start speaking about it, they might feel uncomfortable. They listen, but they don't share with me, you know, what they are, you know, what their sexual lives is. You know, we never had talk about masturbation with my peer, with my friends. Now that uh, I've said I am a sexomatic coach, you know, certain people, they, you know, they talk. But, you know, most of the time, this, the discussion around sex talk, Ed had an orgasm yesterday, or oh, I had the one I stand yesterday, or oh, I had sex with this person, or oh, I want so much to have sex. Stop. Now, if you have enjoyed it, what did you like about it? What you didn't like about it? What, what did, were you feeling safe? What about the, the consent? What about boundaries? You know, not at all. 
Or are you happy with your sex life? No, I just, I had sex. Fantastic. That's it. You know, these are the conversation around it. And the people don't feel safe to actually go deep about it or ask. But, you know, for me, you know, I really envisioning or dream this world where like you can actually add (laughs) sex in like your normal description. Like, you know, I'm Chiara, I'm 36, I'm Italian. And I like red, and I also like oral sex. Mm. Uh, without say, without saying with shame, right? Or you know, I like to, I, I like, you know, I'm very curious with everything, blah 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 blah. But you know, it's so, it's, uh, you know, this creates so much. Of course, to say this, you know, when it's possible, of course, you always need to take into account the different things. But you know, when you always need to count until 10 before you might share something about your sexual fantasy or your sexual desires or who you are sexually. You know, people are still like uh, shaming themselves to, to share something about their desires, even in a, in a, in a group of friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is so if true. a group of friends even talk about it. Right. Exactly. Well, now that we have the safe space, Kiara, I with have all the questions. listeners. <laughs> With all the listeners. listeners. First of all, I think it's key what you said about resentment killing intimacy. I, you know, and it was one of my questions about the pandemic, but I think it's a deeper question because I know we've all been in relationships where we felt resentful. And I can absolutely 1000% agree that even if I was incredibly sexually attracted to a man, because I'm a straight female that if I started feeling any kind of resentment or anger sex is off the table yeah it doesn't I can definitely identify with mind. you Oz I can identify I don't with that touch you you know but however and we were talking about acts of service in our love languages when things were good and we were in a good place then they become so much more desirable to us and we want to have sex with them. So I just wanted to say that that point really struck with me. But my real question is, Kiara, now that we're talking, I want to know about orgasms. I want to know a little bit more. Can you share with me, you mentioned that women come to you and ask you, like, about, is there something wrong with me if I'm not orgasming a certain way? Do you feel that, you said it's not one size fits all. But do you feel that orgasms and the large spectrum of orgasms are accessible to everyone? I mean, for me, uh, I always like to think this way. Like, you know, the things is that we think that orgasm is the ultimate goal of sex. But actually, the ultimate goal of sex is pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I always teach about pleasure. And pleasure can comes different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, pleasure is a journey and can start, you know, and everybody has a different way to allow pleasure in their body. So, of course, like orgasm is fantastic, you know, it's amazing. Uh, but pleasure is even more fantastic because it is a, it's, it's even longer, you know, it starts with, uh, you know, I don't the know, way they even look high gazing. Exactly. It started with, the, you know, a gazing. It can be dirty talks. It can be sounds. It can be allowing yourself to make noises. And, and that permission to 
to be so loud that gives you so much pleasure to you. So the moment you shift, of course, you know, if you take orgasm, then you have your gap from your nipples and then, uh, you know, your cervix and uh, the cleat and the G-spot and whatever. But if you take the, the attention from all this, that always has been the big attention, uh, thanks to, thanks Freud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then you move it to actually the sensual, a sexual experience mm. uh, being an experience of, uh, in pursuit of pleasure, you take off your shoulder so much yeah. pressure, mm. but so much pressure because you just you want just to be. enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And actually makes you it can just more be. accessible. Right, like if, exactly. if orgasm is, is not what the makes goal, it. and it's just to feel and enjoy. Yo, everybody can feel and enjoy, right? Like in the Goop Netflix you were talking about, Mar. Um, one of them got stimulated by their ears. Do you remember they the touching of the ear? One of them really got turned on by that. But I think that's a monumental thing you just told us on the show. Take orgasm off the table and put pleasure on the table. And yeah, it's that's yeah. And this is, you know, especially for, you know, for whoever and, you know, it took me so much time for me also to have this witch. Mm -hmm. And especially for those people who have uh, sex as an enemy, who are, you know, abused, assault, mm -hmm. thinking of sex, thinking of orgasm is so difficult. Or, you know, on the other way around, they might have different way to, you know, this is more complicated topics. But, you know, thinking about pleasure or train their body to allow themselves to have pleasure with the small portions, because also pleasure is difficult. It's so, it's like an Erica. And so when you move the attention again from orgasm to pleasure, you know, pleasure can be also I'm drinking a cup of tea and I'm eye-gazing, playing with my, you know, partner, just looking at each other nicely and beautifully. And this is for, again, for a person who has difficulties to allow pleasure in their body from a sexual mm. perspective. is already an experience that makes them feel like, okay, you know, I can do it. And overall for all of us, you know, uh, I think pleasure is more... The, the word to use yeah. that can make sex uh, a, a friend. Yeah, this pisses me off because now I'm just thinking of decolonized bullshit because that comes down to fucking comes down to men, right? Orgasms come down to men. Like they orgasm easier than women do. And our whole culture, especially in North America, is based around these sex scenes where the guy is like, remember that episode of Sex in the City where she sleeps with the godfather of Miranda's child and she thinks it's going to be good sex and he jackhammers her? Like, it's ridiculous. But for him, it was great sex. And for her, she couldn't walk for three days, Carrie. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this yeah. is the image that North America puts out, right? Like, the yeah. girl gets a good fuck. And therefore, the guy orgasms. And so this culture around orgasms, to me, is an extension of patriotism or like not patriot. Um, what's the word, Miranda? Patriarchalism and how sex is designed around men's pleasure and women's submission. And that irritates me. Yeah. And I mean, it, 
you know, is is more all around. It's always been a bit like this. And, you know, when I said before Freud is because kind of it was saying that the good sex was the penetrative sex. Mm -hmm. So taking out of the show, out of the table, you know, uh, you know, uh, cleat, the cleat and yeah. other part of our body as like if they are not. And this is, again, it's the pressure about orgasm to penetrative, uh, you know, penetrative orgasm, because then me that I have more pleasure with uh, my through my cleat. What if my orgasm is not yeah. important? Mm -hmm. um, Thank God we've evolved but, uh, since then. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but you know, I also you know back to the patriarchy because this is my thought, and I'm interesting to know what do you think because you know. So of course the patriarchal part of this is all these shame-induced messages and the building sex uh, upon what is actually the uh, man pleasure. And I'm saying this without saying anything bad around men. I mean, men, are, as we said before, are also victim of all these yeah. messages. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what I think uh, is also been creating an issues nowadays is that so... Like we have women that have been growing up with this idea that sex is dirty, that you need to be kind of, um, you don't need to behave in a certain way um, because you might be labeled as a slut or a whore, whatever things. And, and so you need to kind of be, or that you can get pregnant or you can get, so the, 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 the um, the explanation around sex while growing up is a bit the sex is dirty, yeah, be careful, you might get pregnant, be careful, you might get uh, some, STD. you know, STDs, uh, yeah. STD, all these kind of things. So you always uh, face sex with kind of attention. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, what happened to me? <laughs> I had this friend that uh, the first time she had sex with the very little information, she was having a panic attack because she was thinking she could have get pregnant, but like out of nothing. Like, I think all of a sudden, her fears just blew, blew up. But then at the same time, so what I wanted to say is that, uh, you know, the, and maybe you, you, got, you girls can help me phrase it better. But, you know, I think that feminist, the, the, the extensive part of it, is also kind of creating a bit of uh, harm to vulva owners around sex. And what I mean is that because we kind of want to be badass women, that we don't need a kind of any help. And we tend to be, you know, badass rock star sex. We, we know it all. We know what we want. And, you know, because we think we know it all and we don't need anything, we actually might have issues to know actually really what mm. we want. Mm. I don't make sense what I'm saying, you know. We create That's like a uh, another sort of myth yeah. that uh, we are badass, rock star, sexual, and uh, actually true sex. Uh, sex <coughs> uh, is, you know, our way to, I don't know, whatever. And I, I think that this is another way that somatically can bring women uh, very far from connected with their own body, with their own yeah. pleasures, with their own sensations, because we need to be strong. Yeah. yeah and I, I think, think... Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say that's a really interesting point, because 
Like if you look at it from a feminist, like I guess more fundamentalist feminist perspective, it's like this idea that, okay, if you want to, to take the whole patriarchal um, aspect out of it, it's like, you know, we're taking back our bodies, we're taking back control of every aspect of sex for ourselves. But the reality is, is that there are some women out there who really do want to have a partnership and really do want to have uh, a connection with a man. And, and maybe there are some women who are actually perfectly fine with um, not necessarily being the rock star in the bedroom, right? It's to me, yeah. if you okay, if you want to get into maybe another aspect of of kink, you know, this whole idea of um, uh, dominant and submissive, that too, like being a submissive is there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's not inherently making you less less feminine because you are doing this. That's a consensual consensual decision between, mm -hmm. you know, the woman and their partner, and that's between them. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to do with any sort of feminist agenda <laughs> or anything of that nature. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. Totally. I know there's a phenomenon around the age group that um, I work with that, you know, the women or the young ladies... Um, how do I say this nicely? They they they're fucking around like dudes. They're like, oh, I'm a, I can just fuck who I want when I want. But I'm like, but you're not doing anything for women's movement. You're just, <laughs> they, like, you you're know just, what it is? It's it's like it's, taking on the all of these like very empowered female rappers that we see today, the yeah. Meg the Stallions and the City Girls, and adopting only one aspect of that empowerment. Yeah. You know and there, it's they what they don't understand is that there's a lot of marketing behind a lot of that bravado but there's you know you've you've got to understand that there's emotions involved there's consent that's involved there's um consideration of yeah. how your body is going to deal react. or recover or react from those kinds of uh, hookups or whatever it is that they're doing because Real, realistically, psychologically, women have a different attachment to sex than men, right? So to me, yeah. I would, I agree with you, Cara, I would say being a feminist is being able to make the choices for yourself, educated choices for yourself about every area of your life, right? So like mm -hmm. I, you, I have yeah. to do kegels. You're my husband. I love you. I want to do kegels with me too, right? I'm asking <laughs> you to do it yeah. because, well, I find them annoying, but they do help. And that's what I want. Like that to me is a feminist, a woman who understands her needs, educates herself and her needs and asks for what she wants in a manner that, you know, is, is accessible to everybody. But I, I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, the women who you're not doing anything new. In fact, I think you're kind of mimicking this very stereotype that we're trying to break in the, in that situation. Exactly. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. sure. Yeah. But um, I, Kara, I'm in different I, breed. Go ahead, Mark. Kara, I have a question around a particular subject, just off of what you were saying a bit earlier about um, how comfortable we feel with our bodies. And I'd love for you to touch on the subject of nudity.
because there are so many mm. people who, you know, we're in, we're all inundated with images on social media of what the perfect body should look like or how, you know, we compare ourselves to other people um, and what their bodies look like. Um, so I, I'd, I, it w I would be interested to know how a person's um, perception of what their body actually looks like how that factors into somatic um, sex education. I, I mean, for sure. I mean, how, uh, yeah, there are different things. Um, for sure, like not kind of liking your own body. Of This as a kind of consequences, of course, on how you also experience also sex. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, you might feel like not at ease with your own body. You might not feel at ease to be and live and embody your own body. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, uh, being, you know, sexual trauma is not just uh, and only uh, having been victim of assault or rape. It's also any experience that have been affected kind of your sexual, any experience that can have any effect on your sexual organs. So if you have been bullied or if you're a person that always been looking in the mirror and says, I'm the most ugly person on earth because, you know, according to the standard, I'm fat, I have stretch marks and uh, my feet are this or my, my hair, whatever things, you're just saying to your body that it's not perfect. And uh, saying to your body that uh, the way you look, the way you are, is not good. You're saying to yourself, "I'm not desirable. I, I don't, I don't. I'm not worthy of pleasure. I'm not worthy of desire." So when before I was saying, you know, is uh, when clients come in, it's always, uh, uh, you know, it's always a different journey because if there is a client that come in and says, "I want to have better sex. I want to be the queen in bed." And then uh, we discovered that, you know, there is a fundamental hate of your own body. Mm. We need to work on that before you can also allow yourself to, 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 to see and feel within yourself how worthy of pleasure you are. Mm -hmm. You know, because pleasure is a bird, right? You know, they, you know I always say that we women were born with a clit. And the only function of the clit is pleasure. There is no other function of the clit than pleasure. Um, cool. And we all, the, and the, we are all born with that. Mm -hmm. Also, nudity. I mean, when it comes, I don't know. Uh, there is this. Uh, there are a lot of artists that want to that design a different vulvas. Um, and uh, oh my god, I don't remember her name. Betty. That's that's um. I mean, she was a pioneering in sexual education. She was a pioneering in, um, I don't remember her name right now, uh, in, um, in masturbation. And actually, one of her work was on designing uh, all the different shapes of our vulva. Mm -hmm. uh, because she was saying that one of the sense of uh, people feeling bad with their own body when it comes to sex is because they were thinking that there was just one possible way to have a vulva which is mostly the vulva you might see in the not very ethical porn right uh, 
you know, they're just kind of Barbie vulva, yeah. I would say. They just and zero so people, in on that part of the body and the legs are spread yeah. and all you're seeing, you're seeing it from the outside, but no one, few people know all of the different parts and what yeah. their function is. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there were so many uh, people that have been uh, surgery on their own vulva to make that perfect. Like that, According yeah. to, you know, standards that don't exist. Right. Know, because we, you know, we are born with that. There is nothing wrong. Um, so, you know, again, when it comes to nudity, you know, of course, our society um, that says that we need to be, you know, first uh, in the eight, 90s was, uh, you know, the model. Now is that, uh, you know, you need to have this, you know, it's always changing. Yeah. The, the idea Evolution is always and trends changing. of how the body should look, yeah. Yeah, but for me, the idea is that the body changed. Like in the 90s, there were the skinny one. And now it's the more the curvy, but uh, this way. And now there is, you know, the body positivity. Nah, nah, nah. Also say something about, you know, if 10 years ago, this was how people were liking the body. And now is this. So it means that, you know, it can always change. And there is actually not a real idea of perfection. Uh, you, you're just perfect the way you are, you know. I say, you know, but yeah, that's the crazy thing about it's. It's just crazy because it's not just sex; it's in everything we do. It's in all the messaging. It's in the packaging, right? It's in the what I think. What really hit is like what you say to yourself, right? Like, folks, we are literally talking ourselves out of bad sex, right? Like. Yeah. When you're That's like, exactly you know, what we're doing <laughs> like that, Oz and I talk all the time about filters and, you know, we both are, we work out We're I mean, Mar works out. We all three of us work out, but I need us three to ask ourselves, what are we telling our bodies when we work out? Cause I'll be damned if we talk ourselves out of bad sex ladies. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. like, I'm never talking myself out of sex ever. <laughs> no but Ever. i'm talking about talking yourself into good sex so if kara's saying there's a way that you can talk yourself out of bad sex that means the opposite is true you can talk yourself yeah. into good sex like oh i love that role because that role allows me to roll this way right like use your imperfections for the pleasure i think those are two big things that i'm taking away one let's take orgasms off the table because Y'all know not everybody orgasms the same way. Sometimes it's harder for others, but the key goal is to have pleasure in sex and to talk nice to yourself. God damn, we could all yeah. follow that advice. I think like, that was really good yeah. advice. The idea of changing how you, you know, changing how you talk to yourself, changing what language, what words you're using, not just for yourself, but for other people as well, right? The, the worst body shaming is the body shaming we do to ourselves. Absolutely. And we do it more it than anybody else. We more than yeah, negatively to ourselves than anybody else. Because if anybody else talked to us the way we talk to ourselves, We'd we beat would their ass. probably cut them off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's around. Yeah. And also, like, uh, remember, I think, uh, you know, that, you know, this, uh, I think uh, the things that there is not one size fits all, like, there, that sex is, is also science. There are, like, things that says, you know, 
this is how it works. Like desire, you know, is a fantastic. The first uh, da 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 months, and then the quiz. And uh, for women, is like this. For men, is like this. Knowing this fact is actually helps you uh, feeling okay. There is nothing wrong with you. You're not different from any other person because this is actually science. This is actually how your body works. Yeah. This is how your you have this fantasy. Everybody has this fantasy. I mean, everybody has fantasy. You have this fantasy. I have this fantasy. You have this fantasy. You know, talking, you know, if we were able to talk openly about it, you know, you will, there will be less and less people worrying about their own abilities, mm-hmm. about their own yeah. body, sexually functioning, you know, uh, because, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that is, uh, you know, because it, I, for sometimes I like to speak about science because most of the time science, it feels like more understandable. Oh, it's science. Kind of you give more, you know, uh, weight to it. Right. Oh, it's science. It's, it's more credible, scientific. more trustworthy. It's more credible. Yeah. Trustworthy. Yeah, this is science, guys. So, and sex is also science. Yeah. Because, because it's all a biochemical things happening in our, you know, body. It's always a hormones happening in our body. Uh, and so sometimes I use that also to, especially for very analytical mind, analytical people, things that they need to understand things. So when and then when sometimes things are easy, difficult to understand because you need to feel it. Mm-hmm. And when it's difficult to feel it, then I... I go back to science. <laughs> yeah. As a first step, you know? A concrete right. step, yeah. And Kiara, we talked about your practice involving maybe some touch. It, it, it does it have to be in person. Do you also do somatic sex coaching virtually? Well, I mean, with the, yeah, it's actually mostly virtually. So I just guide people. So I have to say that all my clients are virtual that's good to (laughs) know yeah yeah i mean then we and with the pandemic i think these things in this last year applies to a lot of uh, people uh but the things is that um you can direct of course in person is better because you can actually is uh, is better in the sense that uh, you know when you have to do this kind of exercise it can be more effective Mm -hmm. uh, but you can still do the same and have the same outcome with uh, with guidance actually sometimes actually what happened is that uh, people might feel like more safe with uh, having the session online feeling Mm. more productive to the wall to the you Mm. know the the that side at the same times you know uh, I, I have to say it's very difficult because sometimes online is even is can also help because people there is still a taboo in asking for help. Mm-hmm. I had so many people that contact me and they look like crazy. I have these issues and I need to and it felt like oh my god you want to start tomorrow let's do it <laughs> yeah let's do it I mean I let's not waste any time here Kiara <laughs> and I say yeah let's do it and then then disappear and then says no i cannot do it and i don't uh, i have questions mm. and I'm like, okay, what questions and then you feel like the fear 
So I always try to accompany for a bit that fear that needs to be cuddled. But then, of course, it cannot be forever and ever. Um, but there is so much still taboo, uh, not only around sexuality, but also asking for help. Because when you show up in a practice, either online or in person, you need to you need to say yes to yourself. And sometimes mm-hmm. we have it challenges to give ourselves from to give ourselves that attention yeah. that we actually are worthy of being supported or to ask for help. So sometimes when there are these two things, an online practice somehow feels safer to the mm. client. Mm. Yeah. So uh, all this to say we have to love ourselves more. Like literally concretely that's we have to love ourselves more like we are really missing out when we're not showing ourselves that kind of love i have to say kara i love my gynecologist sounds weird he's a sexologist gyno and a gp general practitioner all in one and wow i oh my god i i ask him tons of questions all the time he's like okay what is it today nisha (laughs) whenever we have appointments um, no, because you know this is what I this is what I do in high school, right? I, I've taught sex ed, so I always ask him a ton of questions, and he'll give me old models and like he'll take them apart and show. And he's just like, "You have a problem," but I love it. I love asking those questions, and it's funny that I thought I would have felt safer with a female gyno, but I'm extremely I feel extremely safe with him and maybe because we started this journey young i was 19 when i picked him up and we've been together he's retiring soon which traumatizes me on some levels but um he's always been quite direct and i like that approach and he's just like so i said oh you know unfortunately my aunt passed away from vulva cancer very rare very rare so when it happened i sent him a message hello doctor so my aunt has vulva cancer am i in trouble and he's like no it's not genetic and he was explaining to me actually vulva cancer um can originate itself from hpv and so he was explaining Mm -hmm. it to me and how it was going and he was like and he wrote this is not to say that women shouldn't be sexually active but a lot of times hpv stems from multiple sexual partners and things that we're not doing to protect ourselves and so i like that kind of directive like you're saying that analytical mind the science he was just giving it to me step by step and i was like okay but how do i avoid it and like these are the things i was asking him because it's a very (laughs) rare form of cancer it's the cancer of the skin of the vagina it's very rare and it's very hard to treat. And he was just, he's very good at that. He makes me feel very safe. He talks about the instruments. I like being with him. I thought I would want a female gyno now that I'm older, but no, I really, although I have to say something about, by the way, if you don't know uh, listeners, there's all a lot more male gynecologists in the world than females. Females weren't encouraged for a very long time not to be gynecologists. But there's a part of me that's like, why wouldn't a woman be a gynecologist if we have the same parts? So Mm -hmm. there is an increase of women becoming gynecologists, especially specialists. And so I do appreciate seeing my specialist versus my regular gyno because the specialist, when you tell your female gyno about cramps or whatever, nine times out of 10, she knows what you're talking about. 
She knows what you're talking about, right? Where the male gynecologist is like, yes, and the scientific no, bitch, this hurts. And it's a different type of pain, right? So, yeah. but it's interesting that that feel has been male dominated for a long time, which brings me back to my point that maybe sex has been um, presented to us in a very male oriented way in North America, North America. It has been. And yeah, it I think all over their world. And you yeah. know, now you were mentioning Kegel exercise. I've been oh, reading, I and, <laughs> but I, you know, actually there are some research and some other people that says that actually they are not that, um, they are not that, uh, uh, they are not, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, uh, it's not the right word. I don't want to say because I'm not a public therapist. <laughs> I'm not a public therapist, I want to say. But, you know, there have been research that says that actually not all the time this Kegel exercise works. Of course, then everybody's different. Everybody's unique. Yeah. So what works for you might not work for me. Mm -hmm. But uh, back to also this idea that and a lot of things have been developed around male bodies. And uh, I was reading this interesting thing for which even yoga, yoga exercise, have been developed around the, you know, male... Uh, the male yogis. Really? Yeah. Yogis. Yeah. So, like, in India, yogis are yogis. primarily men. Exactly. So why there are certain, like, so for me... You know, we we are pushing our bodies to do uh, us vulva owners like women like uh, to to do certain positions in yoga, while these positions are, are more easy for men bodies. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, because you know you there uh, just a different compositions. You know, and for me, this is always a, a bit of you know question mark on everything. Now I'm also really? have a very curious mind, so I always. Uh, and because in my journey of, in my own journey of healing my own sexual, you know, life, I start kind of questioning everything. You know, because, oh, right. I, I was thinking I like this, but I, do I really like this? Because, you know, this is what yeah. told, they told me. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, you know, they told me that it's risky. But is this risky? If, you know, do I feel safe to explore that or not? Or is this, so asking, loving yourself, and actually feeling what is good or not to yourself, with yourself is, yeah, is a key I would, thing. I would also say uh, adding to that is also accepting that you can change your mind at any time. You may start Absolutely. off thinking that you Absolutely. like something, but then you evolve and move into maybe another area of sex that yeah. you know you didn't even realize that you might enjoy, but all of a sudden it's like, hey, that feels good, or this actually is um, new to me, and I'd like to try it more. I think that is you know one of the common things that we also need to talk about is giving people room to explore and change their minds, especially as you Absolutely. get older, because there's a lot of things that you thought about sex one way when you were, you know, in your teens or in your twenties or in your thirties versus being in your forties, fifties, sixties, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then your body changes. So yeah. as your body yeah. changes, you like different things, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's you're like, just allowed to be different and change, period. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That is re-education is a key. Um, you know, uh, would you say, because this is also, I wanted to ask you this question, because I always say that we are all different. It's, 
Now, in this uh, modern world where language is very important, uh, will you say we are all different or we are all unique? Or we are all different bodies because we are all unique? What would be the best way to describe uh, the... Mar, you're the writer. I'm, I'm passing that to Mar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of... Again, to tap into what uh, Nisha had mentioned during another one of our episodes, you know, you mentioned human design, and I've been like obsessed with it ever since you mentioned Me it. Me too. Oh, and and so get recent, into it. Yeah. So recently, I had uh, I actually looked at my chart, and I signed up to the app, the My Human Design app. Me too. Um, and I was able to get a detailed view of every aspect of what my chart read. And that's the interesting thing is that there's no one unique um blueprint for individuals everybody is different you are different compared to everyone else on this earth and even when you think you all have the same gifts the same interests the same likes dislikes there's always one thing that differentiates you from somebody else so yeah oh, wow. it's, this it's is very really interesting the same thing so yeah. my human for those of you who remember listeners my human design is so I think most of the listeners know that I, I have a religious flair and my human design is sort of brings together all the different types of charting. So whether it's Vedic, whether it's uh, Asian astrology, whether it's tantric astrology, uh, Greek astrology and chakras, all of that together. And um, I'm a friend of mine was like, I think you're a splenic thinker. And I was like, Bitch, what are you talking about? Right. So basically, uh, a splenic thinker is somebody who thinks from their gut, their gut instincts. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. So she turned me on to the human design and I turned the ladies on to the human design. So they have an app and the human design, you really need your birth date. So it's a little bit inaccessible if you don't have your birthday. Birthday and the time of no, day. No, the that you time, were born. the time, right. It's yeah. not your birthday that's inaccessible, it's the time. And so I plug it in and I don't know what you are, Mar, but I'm a projector. I'm so, a generator, a pure generator. Okay. So I'm a projector. So when you read through it, like all the gifts that I have and like how you think and the guts, Kara, I'll show you my human design. Given what I work with you, you'll see exactly why I'm in the position I'm in. Because <laughs> a projector is somebody who sees the world very differently and guides people along that way. Like we're, we're able to see beyond the boundaries and beyond the scope of things. And mm -hmm. um, projectors have very unique gifts, but projectors like to be touched. More specifically, I like to be touched. It's my thing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because usually when I do love languages, it's words of affirmation and quality time. But it's true. I am a toucher. Like, I like to touch on the shoulder. When I met Kara, we were like, hi. We hugged each other the first <laughs> time we ever met. I've seen her for months online. The first time we ever met, we hugged each other. I'm a toucher. But human design is really cool. I was thinking, for those of you who are Muslim, I was thinking, is it a bit haram? Because, you know, we really don't fuck around with that astrology stuff. But it's okay. My, my auntie says it's okay. So I, I'm still messing <laughs> with the human design. But a splenic thinker is someone who thinks from their gut. And I do. When I meet someone and I feel their, I feel the auras right away. And I know who I don't want to be around and who I do want to be mm. around. 
That's a splenic thinker. You think from your gut, your gut asks you, and it actually told me something interesting. It told me to ask my gut questions. Now, for those of us who are religious, I rephrase that to let me ask God questions. And if God thinks it's right, he'll tell my gut and my gut will tell me. That's how I got around it. Um, And it actually works because, you know, Mar and I are into discernment. You know, you hear things, you listen for signs and stuff. Yeah. But it actually works quite. I've been very discerning my whole life. So I'm a splenic thinker. For those of you, check it out. The human design for human design. You want to hook us up with a discount now that we're promoting you. My my human design. My human design. Um, So, Mar, what kind of thinker are you? Do you remember? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't remember. Um, but I, one of the things that I think it really ties into what Kiara is talking about, especially in her practice, is that, um, you know, in the area of tut, in the air, in your, in your practice, there's, there's a lot of focus around senses and, um, you know, yeah. touch with one, but also for me, my, um, my key sense is taste. You know, I, it's not just about, um, it's not just about um, food and what I'm eating, but also about um, taste in fashion, taste in different trends and things of that nature. Um, I feel like the senses and um, are just part of that whole, and, and energy are part of what you were talking about, Kiara, when it comes to somatic sex that we're not really and we're not really enjoying it as much as we should and we're focusing so much on the end goal which is orgasm and not so much the experience of sitting in it of the pleasure um, yeah. exploring each other's bodies touching each other's bodies pinching biting tasting you know yeah. poking all of these different things and i it's just it's making me more aware of how much we are not really in tune as much as we think we are yeah we really and are. missing out yeah yeah senses is really like a key word because you know if you can explore your body from a set from like a the arousal perspective you know like uh, okay you go with um taste and uh, you know taste uh, you know starting with what you said can be i don't know maybe you like to you might try to like some uh, whipped cream on your body and lick it for example no i don't do food kiara i do not (laughs) do food during sex that is not for me (laughs) don't put any honey on me i don't want any strawberries involved (laughs) don't insert any cucumbers just no no food (laughs) you know then if you go to sound and actually this is a very uh things about women or vulva owners like because uh, I don't know if uh, you might, how this might land in your body, what I'm going to say is that, but sound is very a turn on. Like when during yes. sex, you says, you are, you per, give permission to yourself to, to do some, to, uh, to, yeah, to, to vocalize your To make sound. sounds and vocal, Make yeah. sound. So, I don't know if you ever tried, like, uh, if you paid attention, but when you vocalize that sound, the experience of, you know, yeah. whatever you're doing in that moment is uh, 10,000 more. Because you are giving permission sure. to, you know, to your body to woohoo, 
mm-hmm. that you know let go it, let go and it's very difficult yeah. for women to vocalize that because oh not the neighbors or no 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 this is really <laughs> Actually, if I we're gonna wake the kids, kids. or we are with kids, the kids yeah. or you know we or no no what are going to think or no no I they say that if I say ah oh, like this this is so 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 dirty to say that and actually mm-hmm. you know or sound can also be you need to uh, you need your partner to say something like dirty mm-hmm. dirty talk like to say you're a whore. Or you are the bad yeah. one, for example. <laughs> but you need to experience that uh, to make the experience of sex 100%. And then you go, you know, to what you like to see. And maybe you need to have, uh, you know, uh, the light on, the light off, the candles. Your partner needs to look in a certain way. Back also to taste. But, you know, when you look something and you say, oh, I like that, is your sight that is involved. So you also mm. need to be involved with something you like to see. Uh, yeah. And then the hearing, uh, yeah, sounds, uh, I'm missing something. Then, of course, touch. Smell. 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 For me, it's smell. Exactly. I really believe my husband gives off a smell that only I can smell. And I, I, like, I smell, I smell it. And he's like, you're crazy. I said, no, no, no. You have us. He has a smell. We're That's animals. He has pheromones. Yeah. He has a smell and I recognize the smell. Yeah. And then I'm like, ooh, and he's like, get away from me. Because <laughs> I smell it. And when I, or there's a time where my body smells it and I'm like, oh. Maybe that's like, oh. your, maybe that's your primary sense, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I, I just know it comes at a certain time. Like I can okay. smell it. I All smell right. him. So either I'm in, ov- something's happening, but mm-hmm. it's a, he has a smell that I smell. But you know, this like, is a, oh. yeah, important information because if you know, for example, that that smell is what turns you on, for example, you can ask your partner to say, please put it on. Because I'm, you know, this is what to help <laughs> I want that to be turned on. <laughs> Actually, also smell is uh, the primal kind of senses. Uh, so yeah. when we smell something, our mind goes, a body goes immediately to the first time we smell that flavor. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Yes. So like, it's for like example, chocolate, right, Oz? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like chocolate. You can put chocolate on me. I'm not opposed to food. So. Yeah, I'm with Mar. Don't. I don't want to be sticky. No, 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 no. Yeah, put it all over. Not that sticky. But it's Not funny that you say that. And, and I really think we got a, a, a good re-education of ourselves. I was going to say of sex, but it's more a re-education of ourselves. Like, you know, yeah. if there's one thing you learned today, listeners, was get reacquainted with yourself. Date yourself. Don't worry. It's not cheating if you're in a relationship. Just date yourself because that's the longest relationship you're going to have. So mm-hmm. date yourself. Figure it out. What do you like? And you can always find Kiara on her Instagram called Intimacy. And the way she spells it is unique. It's I-N-T-I-M-A-S-E-E. So 
intimacy. I almost think it's like um, you're into me. Don't worry, I'm weird. No, like but like it's actually, things. and it's also intimacy underscore because there were too many. Uh, but actually, it came from that. Uh, into me, uh, into me, I see. Kind of it is because. Ah, okay. Mm, so I'm not as weird as. No, I you're very good. smart because I took out the C <laughs> Y and I put C as a way. You need to look into yourself first. To yourself, exactly. Before you can mm-hmm. be intimate with someone else, and so you know, emotionally, erotically. So. Uh, so here, folks, you don't need no dating subscriptions. <laughs> You go to Kara, date yourself, figure it out, and, you know, have some good, unique, and different sex for you, right? Yes. Kara, where else can we find you online? Where can people contact you if they need a virtual session or an in-person session if they want to fly all the way to Italy or the Netherlands <laughs> to see you? Well, I mean, if they go on Instagram as uh, intimacy, as uh, spelled as uh, Nisha was saying, and underscore, they can find me on Instagram. And then on Instagram, there is uh, like uh, in my bio, there is uh, the link to my website. Um, and there is a link also there to book a one-on-one session straight away. Uh, okay. So the the website is uh, www.intimacycoaching.com and uh, my Facebook page is Intimacy Coaching. But I mean, of, in right. nowadays, this is the era of Instagram. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where the majority of your online online activity is. Exactly. So intimacy underscore is uh, where you can yeah find me fast and easy, cool. the easy way. We'll be sure to tag you and to mention you yeah. and provide all the details yeah. about yeah. your you your, your practice sexually. Yeah, have a liberation party. Thank you. This was so insightful and I thought it was enjoyable and I feel um, compelled to explore and to, you know. I do, I do. do. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. it. I feel so much more educated and I feel like it's a little more, uh, I feel more at ease with the yes, direction that too. I already was going in. So this just, if anything, this just reaffirmed for me, Kiara, that I'm I'm on the right path, the right sexual journey. Uh, so she might even get some honey in there. She might even get some honey in there. <laughs> All right, lovelies. Well, this was Messy with Kiara as our special guest in Intimacy somatic sex coach make sure you check out all our other episodes and where can we find them are all of our episodes spotify apple (laughs) apple all of your favorite streaming platforms you can anything uh any of those platforms you can find more about the messy truth podcast and we talk about sex a lot so there's more of this to be found there all right Thanks for listening, folks. Peace. Peace.